Good morning, Springs Community Church, folks watching online, going virtual in the midst of everything. So excited to be with you guys. I'm going to do it a little different today. I want to start out by reading a section from Acts chapter 2. If you got a Bible, you can start turning there. We're going to put it here on the screen, but it's going to be Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 42 through 47. Before we start reading, context you need to know is this is really the establishment of the church, the people of God. When I say the church, what I mean is people who believed in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior by grace, through faith, not of their own doing, but simply by the gift that he'd given in the establishment of the church right there in Jerusalem. So this is going to give a little context, but join me while I read verses 42 through 47. 42. And they, this being the believers there in Jerusalem, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching in the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Remember that. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And the day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food in glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day by day, those who were being saved. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for that truth. I thank you for the establishment, your divine institution of the local church, fueling the universal church, the people of you, those called out of darkness into marvelous light. I thank you for the truth that's meant to mark what should exist in a church, what is essential, what should we be marked by. God, I'm asking you to make that to be something that marks me those characteristics, those attributes. I'm asking you to make those things that mark Springs Community Church. God, I'm asking you to make those the things that mark other churches, other bodies, other individuals gathering, as well as those who don't know you and will come. Father, I'm asking you to do what only you can do, and that's change lives. As we sit on our couches, as we watch from home, as we pull this up on phones and computers and tablets, that you would help us to sincerely become more like you. We need your help to do that. If you guys would, even from home, please take 10 seconds and pray that God would use this time in your life to strengthen your faith if you have one. If you don't have a faith in Jesus, then I'd honestly just sit there and say, God, if you are real, would you prove it to be true and show me? Those would be the two things I'd ask you to pray now. If y'all would, please take another 10 seconds and pray for me. Pray that I would be helpful. Pray that I would be useful to the master. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. I thank you for the privilege and the chance that it is to gather. We ask that this would glorify you and strengthen your people. Amen. Guys, I really am grateful to be sitting with you. If you were with us last week or if you joined online or you saw the service of the sermon anyways, we started a new series. We started a series that we're calling Quarantine Checklist, where in the midst of all the chaos of COVID-19, in the midst of the mad dash scrambles of going to the grocery store to what even countries are saying, this is essential, this is not essential, we wanted to stop we wanted to pause. We wanted to take a reflective look at systematically what are, the, what are the things that God says are essential for his people? What are the things that in the midst of the chaos, when you and I, we have to prioritize things? What are the things that must mark us to where when in the future people look back and they tell stories about COVID-19, your family tells stories, and, and we remember this, what do we want to be that marks us? So we're continuing the series, Quarantine checklist. This Sunday, I'd actually had prepared to talk about trusting God, depending on Him, relying on Him, really is an antidote to to worry and to anxiety. We'll likely address that in the future, but about halfway through the week, we changed gears. The reason we changed gears is just we have an understanding of a little bit of what's going on, both in our body, in our community, in our state, as well as our nation, and and really the broader globe. How as a result of COVID-19, everyone is battling both quite literally, fear of sickness, the potential fear of sickness. But with, if you've been watching the news or you've talked with friends, the thing that you've seen is really now 
the economic impact and fallout. To where in the midst of this, to where in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the job loss, we wanted to come and change gears and yes, still talk about how do we trust God? How do we depend on God? How do we walk by faith? Knowing faith that's better than anything and the God in heaven who loves you is a pearl of great value. Knowing all those things to be true, how do we trust? And today, the next thing I wanna to add to our quarantine checklist, the next topic that I wanna address, that I wanna instill by the grace of God in particular, and you're gonna really hear me focus on this throughout this sermon, in particular, in Springs Community Church, in the members of our body. If you're a member of another body, this is where I'm going to be calling you to go there. But the members of our body, I want to talk about generosity. Generosity. It might sound strange. We're in a week. We're unemployment. A week ago, I was up here, and they said it was at 3.28 million. I read last night that it's approaching 10 million. It might be strange that in a time where there's this financial duress that you would talk about generosity, but no, that's exactly what I want to talk about. But in generosity, I want to focus it a little bit. I want to make it a little more nuanced than just general generosity. Because here's what's true. And this is true if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, this isn't necessarily a call or a command of you. Christians, you've been given much. You've been loved much. Therefore, you love and you give. Christians are called to be generous towards all. Other Christians, the universal church, non-believers, doesn't matter if you believe. We are called to be generous to all. But the generosity I want to talk about today, it's more specific than that. The generosity I want to talk about is specifically how are Christians called to be generous towards one another? And as we'll see, even through biblical context, how are they called to be generous towards other brothers and sisters, other members of their local church? That's the part where I want to focus on. I want to focus on while Christians are called to be generous to all, we in the midst of everything, Christians, the church, global, national, we should be sacrificial, not selfish. We should be loving, not lazy in how we think about caring for our neighbor. But we must be marked by generosity. And scripture is full of commands and clarity of how we are called to be generous to all, but most especially, and I use that language intentionally, most especially our church. I want to frame it with a verse out of Galatians. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it here. It's Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, right? Where it, what, what's happening here is the apostle Paul, he's writing a letter to the church in Galatia. He's writing this letter where he's focusing, strengthening this church under the freedom of the law and talking about how they resource and support the community beyond. And he's saying, you help all. And he's going to focus it. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. What's the context there? That church in Galatia. Guys, what I want to focus on is how do we do good to all, but especially do good to the household of faith. As we continue the series quarantine checklist, the next thing that's an essential for you and for me is generosity. We're going to focus on two different passages. We're going to jump from two of them. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 32 through 35, and we're going to see the first theme of why we're called to be marked by generosity. We're called to be marked by generosity because what's true of the church, and again, I say the church, the believing people of God, what would have been true of the local church there in Jerusalem? What's true of the church is what's mine is yours. The second thing we're going to see is why generosity is an essential as we are building our quarantine checklist. The second reason we're going to see why it's an essential is going to be from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. I wish we could do all of chapter 8, all of chapter 9, but we're going to focus on 1 through 9 in chapter 8 where we're going to see why is generosity essential. It is an act of grace. So if you have Bibles, you can start to turn towards Acts chapter 4 while I give you guys just a little context as you're going there. Here's what's happening in the book of Acts. We referenced this before, but this is where Jesus Christ, he's come at the end of Matthew in particular. He gives this great commission where he calls the people of God to go baptize and to teach people to obey all that he has commanded. And then you see its fulfillment through the book of Acts. And throughout the book of Acts, you see this amazing missiology, the mission of God's church, the advancing of his kingdom. And how's it advancing? Through the planting of local churches. The first one you see established after the Holy Spirit descends in Acts chapter 2 on the church there in Jerusalem. 
to where you get this beautiful insight in what would have been First Baptist, Jerusalem, First Methodist, Jerusalem, First Presbyterian, Jerusalem, Springs Community, Jerusalem. It's this church that's establishing. And as they're honoring all that God's intending, you see that what's baked into it is this generosity, generosity towards all, but especially of the fellow believers. If you have a Bible, turn with me. We're going to be in Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 33, or excuse me, 32 through 35, and we're going to come back and work our way through. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. So, so what he's talking about here is there's the establishment of the church. It's the full numbers of those who believed, and then it speaks to they're of one heart and one soul. As you see this theme of Scripture, you're going to pick up on a, on a theme and a section, an idea. It's going to be that the unity of the church, the oneness that we have spiritually in Christ, our unity drives our generosity. It's this idea that the community of God's people is meant to bless the community of God's people. Is it them alone? Do we not bless others? No, we bless all, but especially our unity drives our generosity. You see this. They believed we're of one heart and soul. I love this. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. It's this idea, and we're going to circle back to it. It's this idea of, hey, for the church, for the people of God, if you're not a Christian, this doesn't apply to you, but if you're a church, and if you are a member at the Springs, this most especially applies to you, and it applies to me. It's this principle of what's mine is yours. They weren't coming and holding on to things. They held the extension of the community as greater value than the individual. Did they do that in a way that left them impoverished? No, of destitute, no. But out of abundance, did they serve? Yes. 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Here's why I love that this verse is set up right in the middle of this. Is we're talking about generosity. What fuels generosity? The greatest gift that has ever been given today, it's Palm Sunday. What is next weekend? We virtually gather and we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, apart which you and I are without hope. You know what fuels why we as a church must be a generous people? What fuels that is the fact that God in heaven died on a cross and three days later, he rose from the grave, taking his life back. And he shows you and he shows me I love you. Believe in me. I'm coming again. Follow. That was the testimony they're explaining. That was the power of the resurrection. The truth of the gospel is central to the generosity, not just for being generous to the world, but for being generous with one another. Let's, let's keep going. There was not a needy percy person among them. Imagine that, man. Not a needy percy person, excuse me, among them. For as many were owners of lands or houses, sold them and brought proceeds of what was sold. I want to speak to that. What you see here is people that have intentionally selling to give to those who have not. Here's why I love this. Sometimes you can tend to think like, wait, did they just create a commune? No, no, no. There was no forced obligation. There was no command of this. There was out of the overflow of the heart that they have been given much coming and the establishing of a community, there was a sense of, no, no, no. You need something here. You need help here. You lost your job here. You need this here. And not just giving out of their excess, but going and intentionally saying, okay, there's need here, here. We can sell this. I can give this. We could do this to care for that need there. There's intentionality to it. I can imagine what this would have been like. You got to remember the church, it was established Jewish tradition, like or you see it in your Bible, but at the, the festival of Pentecost. So all these Jews would have walked and they would have gathered in Jerusalem. Then from there, they would have been converted by the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter's preaching, giving this message Peter and John start to spread the gospel. People say, no, you can't preach this. They put him in prison, say, you got to stop. Peter and John come out of prison. They say, no, nah, man, we're not going to stop. We're actually going to pray. We're going to be more bold. And then you come, and that's really where we set up, where this is saying they had all things in common where they're selling. Why is this contextually mattered? These would have been folks at this point completely new to faith. These would have been folks at this point 
who likely were about to face severe persecution and job loss. Imagine that. You come a believer in Jesus Christ. You feel the redemptive power of God's spirit within your soul. And then all of a sudden, you're out of this group and then you show up and you're connecting and there's love, there's freedom, there's newness in a whole new way. The, what the heart has longed for, that sense of community and value and connection you're finding first in God and then through God's people. And then they just say, wait, wait, wait. You need help? I'll help you. How do I help? Imagine that. That would have been giving to people who the only thing at that point they knew they had in common was faith in Christ. Imagine the moment of fear, because giving, it's always an act of faith. What I mean by that is, no, well, some people, they, they do, and in discipleship and in maturity, you do wake up excited to say, okay, God, what can I give? But imagine that at the beginning of the time, they're coming and they're seeing this, and for the first time, they know what's there, and they don't know how much resource they'll have. And they say, no, if you have need, you want. Here. Here's what it does, and we see it in verse 35. Here's what that creates. It's creating this vision of what God intends. It's creating this hope of all that God wants in you and in me. Because guys, there's this theme that it's building towards. Why, why generosity it's essential on a quarantine checklist. It's essential because in the church, this is why being a part of a church, it matters. Your ecclesiology, your study of the local church, your biblical understanding of the divine institution that God put forward is his plan A for the redemption of humanity by the power of his spirit for his glory. Your grasp of it matters. Because once you're in it, there's this truth. I've been given so much. What's mine's yours. You have need. I have plenty. Here. 35. These people came. They took what they sold, if you remember. And they laid at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed. Some Bibles translate that shared. To each as any had need. Guys, quarantine checklist. The reason generosity is our next essential is there's this biblical truth that within the church people of God. Springs, community, church, members. What's mine is yours. Your need is my opportunity. Because one of the things that's true is you see this even set up in this passage. You see there were the givers and there were the receivers. Everyone goes through seasons of life at times where they have the privilege of giving. Many people go through seasons of life where they have the privilege of receiving. What is this text calling us to? It's not calling those who are destitute in need, who've lost their job, whose hours have been cut, who don't know the work and have paid, who, whose 401k has been shot with the economy, who are living in fear, not knowing where the next paycheck, not knowing if the next time their boss sends them an email, it means for cash purposes, their job's gone. It's not asking those people to keep going and demonstrate their love for God by living with this destitute sense of poverty. That's not it. It's saying the church takes care of one another. Because you gotta remember, even first century, what was true, the upper class, the lower class, the haves, the have-nots, those with money, those without, it was way more extreme than it's here, 21st century America. Way more extreme. And what did Jesus come and do? By his death on a cross, dying for slave, free man, everyone. He leveled it. He leveled it where he said the poor and the rich, you have need of me. Use your wealth to love. Use your wealth to serve. Use your poverty to serve. Use the wealth that you have to serve at every level. Church, this has been a mark of health always. This is a mark of health for the springs. Sometimes you give. Sometimes you receive. I can remember my own life one of the times that I realized this, uh, I, had, I was recently married. I'd gotten married to Taylor. Maybe we'd actually been married two years. Um, in that time, we'd bought a house, right? We'd watch Chip and Joanna, flip this, flop that. I forget what the name of the show is, right? right? We're watching that show. We think, okay, we're going to get a fixer-upper. That's it. 
We're going to go get a fixer-upper. We go and do that, man. Taylor, we had two incomes, double income, no children. Taylor's making like twice as much money as me. And we came, we're like, okay, how can we throw as much cash at this house? Let's do this. We can do it. We gutted the whole thing. Money, money, money is going into it. And then we have the privilege of being pregnant. And all of a sudden, where we could kind of extend that money, extend the cash into it, all of a sudden there became this window of babies coming, babies coming, babies coming, babies coming. So our construction timeline, all of a sudden it increased. We got to get this done sooner. Why did it, and with that increase came, okay, we got to pay for this. There came a point where we're trying to finish the house where we had, we had used all of our reserves. We'd use all our money. We, we'd put an emergency fund towards it. That's not what an emergency fund is for, by the way. I'm, I'm acknowledging that. But we'd put it all towards that. And I can remember there was a, a week, Taylor came home after she went to a routine dental appointment. And there's this dentist there that said, hey, you need a root canal. I think she was about five months pregnant at the time. Right, you need a root canal. Taylor looked at me and she said, hey, John, this is gonna cost $3,000. I can remember I was sitting at this like long dining room table and she said that. And I knew the sense of there's no $3,000. I don't really know all that's implied with the root canal, but I knew it's not minor. I knew it needs to be done. I was down. I'm this new husband. I got a baby on the way. I'm called to provide. I'm called to set up. I'm called to take care of. I'm called to administer. I've been the one in charge of generally the money. She's making all the decisions with me, but let's spend this here. Let's do that there. I, I, I'm running all that. And I just felt like a complete and total failure in the moment. My pregnant wife with a baby on the way can't go get the care that she needs in the time that she needs it. I can remember that night, I uh, went to community group, part of a church, family of believers. I went to a community group and I just shared, hey guys, here's where I am. Because they could tell I was down, right? I'm not gonna hide that. That's what community's for. They asked me, well, hey, tell me about your financial situation. I explained the whole thing. They'd known it all already. And I can remember sharing with them, hey guys, here's gonna be my plan. I think I can pull this. I think I could set up this payment plan. I could do that with the group. I think we'll be fine, but just down. Next week, I can remember that group had gotten together and they sent one person and that person came and gave me a $3,000 check. His name was Stephen Ullman. Uh, I couldn't pay for it. I did not ask them for it. When he came, I reiterated, hey man, here's my plan. Here's what I'll do. You don't need to. And there was this heart of him sharing, no man, you have need. What's ours is yours. Take it. I did not pay for Taylor's root canal that year. The church of Jesus Christ paid for Taylor's root canal. I can remember this weird moment where you're like embarrassed, but you're grateful and I can remember trying to say no, but then realizing the only reason I'd say no is my arrogance, my pride. But what it showed me is this beautiful moment of what is a, a sign of health? What is a sign of maturity? What is a sign of God's church? Generosity. Is it generosity to everyone? Yes. But is it especially to the household of faith? Absolutely. There have been times where I have been the giver, not the receiver, where you get the creative ways, where you get to give, you get to go above and beyond. It has been some of the most joy-filled moments of my life or when I get to do that. I want to be, as an individual, as a family, complete set aside of my role. I want to be a generous person because I sincerely believe I will store up treasure in heaven on response of that faithfulness, not for anyone else, only for the glory of God and the good of his people. Church, your quarantine checklist, it needs generosity. Why? That's the second principle I want to talk about. It's a demonstration of God's grace. Turn with me. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you remember, I wish I could read all of chapter 8, all of chapter 9. We're going to read through 2 Corinthians chapter 8, right? We're going to look at 1 through 9, and it's really going to set up this whole theme of we give because it's an act of grace. It's because it's an act of grace. The context for it, uh, the book of Acts goes on and you fast forward about 21 years, still in the book of Acts. 21 years, 
the Apostle Paul, this amazing missionary, this church leader, he's writing this letter to the church in Corinth. He's writing this letter to defend his spiritual leadership with them. And then there's this section, two chapters, where he devotes to not just the role of the local church, but the role of the local church in the principles of giving. It talks about the principles of giving, the practice of giving, the heart of giving. It does this beautiful setup of why we give, how we give, and what informs it. I love the part that we're going to read because it's going to do three things. The first section that we're going to talk about, it's going to be this encouragement, this celebration of a church in Macedonia who gave out of their poverty. And Paul's just celebrating it. He didn't ask them for it. They just did it. And the second, it's going to be this call to this church in Corinth of, hey, excel in the act of grace, which is a call to us, the call to me, the call to you, Christian. And the third part's going to remind us, why is this an act of grace we're called to excel in? It's what Christ has done. So if you have a Bible, turn with me, and we're going to work our way through 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 through 9. We want you to know, so Paul's saying, hey guys, I really want you to focus. He's zeroing in their attention as he starts this chapter. We want you to know, brothers, so he's writing to Christians, about the grace of God. Remember that that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So as this collection of churches, they'd come and they'd given to this fund and this fund had gone to the missionary advancement, right? Out of the local church to the universal church, the missionary advancement of Paul. He says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I want to stay here, right? Let's go back to two. I love this. What do we have right now in the midst of COVID-19? For in a severe test of affliction, what happened? What happened in these churches? Their abundance of joy. Did they do it out of compulsion? Did they give out of guilt? Did they give that because there's like this twisting of the arm saying, this is what you should do. This is what you should do. This is what you should do. No. They gave out of joy. The abundance of joy. And then what did they give from? Their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. I, I can remember once coming out of college, I'd gotten a job and I was talking about, well, hey, even my budget, maybe I could give this, maybe I could give that. I can remember someone saying to me, hey, John, here's what you need to know. You need to do well before you can do good. You need to do well before you can do good. It was this call of, hey, you know who really does good? Those who do financially well. So focus on wellness financially, and then in the future, you can focus on doing good. Here's what's true. It speaks to the, the reality of what resources, finances can do. You can do a tremendous amount of good if you steward your wealth well. Like those who have wealth, it is a greater temptation and it's a greater trial. Steward it well, and I include myself among that. Steward it well. But the reality too is sometimes we think, oh, well, if I get to this much, then I'll be generous. Oh, if I can get to that much, then I'll be generous. If I can get to this baby step, and then I'll be generous. That baby step, and then I'll be generous. We give all along the way. Church, don't wait for a stage of well before you do something of good. Does that mean that you give out of your destitute poverty? Maybe. They did. Does that mean you should be wise in how you do that? Yes. Read the rest of this chapter. It talks about how you give out of your abundance to where there's this sense in the church of fairness. But this is what we're called to, guys. It's an act of grace and generosity on their part. Let's go to verse three. For they gave according to their means, right? So that's with what they have, as I can testify, and beyond their means. Church, I want to do that. I want to do that. Let's keep going begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. So right here, guys, when was the last time you or I begged for the chance to give money to fellow Christians who sincerely came and had this thought of, no, 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 please, please take this. Please have this. How can I give? How can I serve? Where can it go? Who has this heart? You know who has this heart? People who know Jesus Christ has given more than they could ever give back. People who know if they seek first the kingdom of righteousness, all these things will be added to them. People who know their emergence, emergency fund is named Jesus Christ. People who walk in wisdom with community and from that have the privilege of giving sacrificially. Church, this is what we have to be. 
This is what I want to focus on. This is where we have the opportunity is the world is grabbing what they call essential, hoarding up for themselves, making sure everything in their world is safe and walled off. And some of that's respectively so. I mean, you got to. What are we meant to do? Give, love, serve. What am I meant to do? Give, love, serve. That's our privilege. They begged for the chance. And this, not as we expected. I love that. He didn't even anticipate it. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by will of God to us. Do you see what, where the flow is? In submission to God, you surrender the resources as he wants. It's his anyways. That's why Christians, we call ourselves stewards of money. Steward, what it means is we're a money manager. It's the idea of we manage someone else's money. Every resource, even the talents you have to get the resource, every good and perfect gift comes from a father in heaven. The earth and the fullness thereof, it's the Lord's. All of your money is God's. You are a steward in church. I'm speaking to members. I'm speaking to the church. You will give an account for how you steward it. I will give an account for how I steward it. This is how we steward well. Wisely, this is how we steward well. Accordingly, this is where he's switching. So he just celebrated this church in Macedonia. Now he's switching to the call to the church in Corinth, which is a call to you, a call to me. Accordingly, we urge Titus, that, that was Paul's uh, fellow pastor, great guy. We urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. He's writing to this younger pastor. He's saying, hey, pastor, you go tell them we're going to give. Give. You go tell them why we give. You go tell them the truth of this. Because they know grace. They have grace. They've been forgiven. They know eternity with God. And from that, this is the act of grace that should mark them. This is what should define them. When the world is saying, and here's where everything goes, and the economy will never come back, and whenever other fear and panic is being sown, we are people of peace. We are people of faith. We are people of generosity. I love this. But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. It's this call to Christians. It says what's meant to be true of Christians, that we are meant to excel in everything. And then he lists, when he says everything, what does he mean? In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, in our love for you. It's this call to every aspect of your life, Christian, is meant to excel. This is why we teach here at the Springs, right? Full devotion is normal. Why is full devotion normal? When you know God is fully devoted to you in your faithfulness, in your spiritual discipline, in your time with God, in, in the care of your marriage, in the discipleship of your community group, in the support of this body, in the using of your time and your talent to disciple the body, to care for the community, your service to others, all of it. The stewardship of your purity, it's all meant to be in excellent. And you know what he's saying here? Is you're gonna worship in every area of your life. Don't neglect worshiping here. This is an act of grace. It's generosity. Excel in it. This is the part he's switching, where he's going he's to give this motive, right? I say this not as a command. I love that. He says, hey, man, I'm not telling you got to give. Church, Springs Church, I am not telling you you have to give. But, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. But here's the truth. Even though he's not commanding, even though I can't command, you give and read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 in particular. You give intentionally, sacrificially, joyfully, but as God so leads you. But here's the truth. While he's not telling them to give, he's saying whether or not they give is very telling. He's not telling them to give, but what he's saying is whether or not they give, it's very telling. That's his word prove. Evidences, it's gonna show. It's gonna show, and what does it show? It shows an understanding of something that's foundational. And that's verse nine. For you know, he's reminded, hey, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. You think Paul is intentionally choosing the language of rich and poor? I think so. 
so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. It's this theme, this anthem of we give generosity. It's an essential to our quarantine checklist because it's an act of grace. What fuels the giving of Christians to all and especially to Christians, to the local church? What fuels that? An understanding of what Jesus Christ has done for them. The truth that he was in heaven, he had everything. It was perfection and glory and riches and praise and honor. And he chose through humiliation, he chose the incarnation to be born of flesh, born in a manger. He lived approximately 33 years. He grew up in a world where, where for the very end of it especially, people just tried to kill him. They mocked him. They said he was untrue. They called him a false teacher and a false prophet. They nailed him to a cross as he died for the sins of the world. In order to die for the sins of the world, he had to be forsaken by the Father. Do you know what Good Friday is? Do you know what comes this week? Do you know where we set our hearts with passion? What Jesus is just about to do, even in the narrative of the Gospels in his life, he's about to set his face towards Jerusalem, which what does that mean? It is a call to die. Or he will die for me and all of my foolishness and all of my brokenness all of my greed, and he will die for you. All of your foolishness, all of your brokenness, all of your greed. He will come back three days later proving death has no hold on me. I am God, a very God. I've always been God, and though I die on behalf of man, I bid them come by faith to know me. And then he extends an outstretched hand with an empty tomb saying, I'm true, this is real, believe and trust. Have faith. Church, we're called to be generous. We are called to give sacrificially, intentionally, thoughtfully, cheerfully to one another. And we do it because we know where giving really comes from. We know where love really originates. We know where generosity is rooted. It's not in us. It's in King Jesus. That is why we do this. I have a friend, a uh, member of our body. She was telling me a story about how in college, her family had been financially supporting her. Her dad, due to some really broken, sinful habits in his own life, all of a sudden just cut that off. To where she's in college, now picking up student debt, right, having to pay for things herself, and literally no money's coming in. She didn't know what to do. She was in a state of panic and a state of emergency. She connected with a group of believers, and there's one in particular that came and said, hey, hey, I'm going to give you $80 a month. I'm sure they wanted to give more. There were others giving, but I'm going to give you $80 a month and I'm going to cover your utility bill. I got your utilities. I don't want you to worry about your utilities. At this point, this gal, she just connected to a local church. This church was talking about the divine privilege of generosity in giving to the local church, the call of worship and the act of faith that it is at any time. This gal, this member of our body, she's at this point, she's in fear, doesn't know what to do. She's never given generously to the church. She's never really thought about it like that. And she comes and her friend gives her $80 and she says, not to anyone else, just to her and to God, hey God, my utilities aren't always $80. Most often they're a little less. And she made a statement of faith Right? As a demonstration of she knew grace. She knew the love of Jesus Christ. It's an act of grace that fueled, I want to give. I want to be generous. So she gave for those months anywhere from 12 to $8, this local church. Do you think she could have used that 12 to $8? Yep. Do you think that was an act of faith? Absolutely. Do you think every time God saw that as he looked at his daughter and he said, that is mine. Seek righteousness, sweetheart. I will help you. I will care for you. I will send my people to love you and serve you. Absolutely. Church, this is what we have to be. Springs Community Church members. This is our divine obligation for such a time as this. I even love that language. I was in a, a prayer meeting. We do corporate prayer here at the Springs Thursday mornings. And one of the members, Jimmy, he was praying this thought, hey, for such a time as this, 
Springs, I want you to think through when you, when you hear that for such a time as this, you are meant to be bold. You're meant to be courageous. You are meant to love your neighbor. You're meant to be selfless. You're meant to be sacrificial. You are meant to fight for peace in your home, even though it feels like you're still living on top of each other to a whole nother degree and let it be ruled by peace. You're meant for all of that for such a time as this. God was never surprised by COVID-19 but you're meant to live for such a time as this with your generosity and how you serve. Does that mean that those of you right now, because remember, you gotta even remember the context from this, that those of you right now who are financially, you face some really hard things the past few weeks or about to and you don't know. Is this a call for you to give? No, no, no. Read the rest of this chapter. Read the way that it speaks to. It's giving out of the abundance. Those in need But church, do we need to double down on how we give and why we give now? Yes. For such a time as this, it's an act of grace. Even as I think about that, man, I found myself thinking about, man, what would it be like to be an infectious disease expert right now in Washington, D.C.? How exciting would that be to be at the front lines, to really caring, thinking about public health and social wellness? What would that look like to be an infectious disease expert? What would it look like to be a physician in an ICU in New York City, to be a nurse, to be a healthcare provider, who every day by faith woke up and said, I stand the risk of getting the infection of the disease and dying, let alone bringing a family. What would it be like? So exciting, God. I wish I was in that field in New York City now or LA or wherever. Guys, we have that heart. And if you don't pray for it, you should. And pray for the healthcare providers, even in our own community who are giving countless hours, nurses going in fear, all practitioners, essential services. But here's the thing, guys. If we don't get to go to that front lines, you know what we do? We make the best with what we have. There's front lines of people whose lives have been changed financially in the past seven days, 10 days, 14 days. There's the front lines of people whose lives are going to be changed financially to the core at the next week, two weeks, however long. God is sovereign. What are we meant to do? Well, everyone's grabbing what they view as essential. Well, everyone's creating their version of a checklist. We are meant to be marked by generosity. Are we called to be marked by generosity to all, believer, non-believer, Yes, but are we called to be marked by generosity, especially to the household of faith? Yes. What I want to talk about now is what are some practical ways that you guys, you can do that? How are we going to do this here at the Springs? Someone was asking me, I was in a meeting this past week, was with a group of pastors and we're praying for the community, we're talking, and they said, hey, what's the number one thing on your mind this week? And then what's the number one thing that you're excited for? I said, the number one thing on my mind is what we're going to talk in a moment. Strategically, how do we disciple and deploy our body to live and give generously, right? Strategically, how do you do that systematically? Want to do that with excellence. The second thing I talked about is what am I most excited for? This. If I could think of ways to put a local church in a pressure cooker to create a sense of health and well-being and majesty, would I put it in one like this, where all of a sudden groups are faced with major need, where they have to be the church to serve, where we can't just skate by and hide behind what was oftentimes busyness, prosperity, activity, and I'd force it all on a pressure cooker. I don't want to waste the opportunity we have for health. I don't want to waste the opportunity we have to let light shine, to really be all that God intends for such a time as this. That's why we're going to talk through. What are some ways you can do that? First way, if you're thinking about, okay, I want to give. I want to give. You're in the privileged position out of abundance. You want to give. You want to serve. First thing you got to do, as I tell you, is give money to your community group. Give money to your community group. What that looks like is this week, we're asking every community group at the Springs to have a conversation with one another. We pray in faithfulness. You've already had this. We pray that because your community, you're a trusted group of people where you know you're meant to care for your, your marriage and your parenting, your spiritual discipline, the pursuit of discipleship in every aspect of your life. But with that, excel in those and excel in this also. We want you to talk about what do you owe? What's your debt? What do you own? Where do you spend? 
We want you to have that full conversation. We want you to talk about, okay, have you already lost your job? Are you about to lose your job? Do you think you'll lose your job? Are you sitting there making decisions for how people lose your job? How can we give wisdom? How can we help? How can we pray for all people across? Talk about it. Church, if there's people in your community group, give the money directly to them. Serve. Be Acts 2, be Acts 4, be the New Testament. Let's get healthy. Give to your community group. The second thing you can do is give to the 432 Relief Fund. This is a fund that we launched and we created this week. What it's based on, it's Acts 432, if you remember. Acts 432, what this is specifically created is we've opened a new account. It's set aside from the Springs' regular operating account. We've opened a new account where people can give to this fund specifically, and it's going to go towards relief efforts. Relief effort, especially in this context, where is it going to go towards? The financial assistance of the members of this body. We are called to do good to all. We're going to talk about that, but especially the household of faith. We are going to double down on caring for the members of this family, the brothers and sisters in Christ here in our body who are in need. We want to care for them, but we got to care for ours too. You can give if you find yourself in abundance and you're thinking through, hey, my community group, as of now, folks are stable, they're privileged. I want to give so that others can come and rightly see, come alongside discipling with the individual members community group, can come alongside and give financial relief to other families. You can give it to the 432 Relief Fund. You'll be able to find information on this Relief Fund on our website. We've updated it. Our website, it's springsnb.org. If you go to the Ministries tab, you'll be able to go down and right there you'll see 432 Relief. You'll see one, it's going to talk about how can members of the Springs get financial assistance? The second thing it's going to talk about, how can non-members, how can just people find assistance? And we'll talk about that in a moment. And the third thing it's going to talk about, what are ways that you can wisely think through how you steward your resources in this time? One of the things you need to know, because some folks have asked, well, hey, if I just give that directly to the operating account of the church, does it not go to the relief fund? Why can't I just still give to the Springs? Here's what I would tell you. You can still give to the Springs. The difference will be it will go towards supporting people in need. The Springs is going to help back this 432 relief fund. But it's also going to go to the daily operations. It's going to go to the establishment of paying for the rent to keep this coming to virtually gather. It's going to go towards supporting the staff that on Mondays gather with 50 people virtually to disciple them through region. It's going to go towards the staff who gather young adults who every week are playing games, still doing teaching, breaking out in discussion. It's going to go towards mobilizing the lay leaders that invest and disciple the children and the students on Wednesdays all throughout your households and the family. It's going to go towards intentionally creating different ways we can advance the kingdom of God. So is it a good investment to continue by worship to give your funds and finances to the springs, especially when we like everyone, we're going to live by faith. We're going to trust God. God is never broke. But will we be financially impacted by this? Of course. But can you give to us? Yes. But you have to know this fund is specifically set aside if you so feel led. So language I've used with people and giving is always an intentional decision between a believer in Christ and God. But language I've used is, hey, continue your regular giving to the Springs. Those and over above, give to that fund. That's the way my family's gonna think about it, right? Is that me telling you how to do it? No, but is that me practically giving you an option? Yes. So guys, what we've talked about is how are members of the Springs gonna get care? We've launched a ministry, 432 Relief. It's meant to care for our members in need. It's meant to care for future relief efforts. We'll also use it for that. But for right now, here's where this fund is going. Here's directly going to that. It is set aside. It's its own account. If you want to give to that, what you'll do, and we'll put it in the footnotes to this sermon, what you'll do is you'll, is you'll give it, you'll send a check right now to a P.O. Box address. The reason you can't yet do it online is because some of the timing of the week, we've reached out to an online account, Pushpay, to create this fund. It should be created this week. We'll get that information out to you as soon as we can. But those of you, if you see this and you want to send a check right now, send it to this P.O. box. That's the way you can do it. But guys, we've repeatedly said we are called to be generous to all, but we are called to be generous to our body. One of the things we also want to let you know is we are fighting to be generous to our community. We want to live that same way. The third way that you can give, the third way that you can give is you can give to Comal County Cares. 
This is a collective of six different nonprofits that have come together. It's through our partnership with McKenna that we're really coming behind this. It's through our connection with Unite New Braunfels and a pastor's coalition of churches across the community where they have gathered to put the top nonprofits in the community to help with physical assistance, financial assistance, mental health, as well as through Unite New Braunfels, spiritual and emotional support and care and discipleship during this time. This is where we're partnering. These are the leaders. So if you're wondering, hey, what's a really wise way I can give resources to the support of my community beyond believer, non-believer, to everyone? Donate, Comal County Cares. You can go to that by comalcountycares.com. If you want more information on Comal County Cares, I'd recommend you first go to springsnb.org under that section of 432 Relief. You'll see it referenced there. You can go back, find that, as well as find information on that page. Guys, why am I doubling down on practical ways? Because we have to do this. We have to do this. Uh, James uh, chapter two, verses uh, five and six, it gives this amazing call where as we think about these things, trying to find this right here in my notes. James chapter two, verses 15 through 16. It gives this call to believers. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? You know what the context of this is? Scattered believers from the church in Jerusalem still trying to support one another after they face persecution. Changes languages, brothers and sisters. We are meant to give to one another, church. We are meant to be generous to all, but we are meant to help one another. I'll close with this. I can remember... I think I've referenced this before. I can remember it's a pivotal memory of mine coming and being a part of the Springs at the very beginning. Uh, excuse me, 2017, the Springs have been around before then. But coming and sitting with a family in particular, and this family had shared how they had been discouraged by the local church repeatedly. They had been discouraged by a lack of grace, a lack of discipleship, a lack of faithfulness, a lack of zeal, a lack of obedience, a lack of loving their neighbor, a lack of living generously, they'd honestly come and they said, hey man, I've honestly been able to find a far more faithful community outside of the local church than I have been in the local church. Guys, that is tragically far too often people's real experience. I can remember sitting with them and sharing and turning pages and reading. This is the vision. This is what we have to be. We can't do this just in word and talk, but in love and in deed. This is where we have to go. And if you're gonna come and be a part of it, you have to help build it. Do you know how? the springs, we become the local church that you want, that I want. Do you know how we become the local church that God desires? And we already are, guys, and so let's keep going. Do you know how we become the local church that the world looks at and says, there's something different about that? It's in all forms of faithfulness, but may we excel in this. This is the church God's called us to build. These are the people God has called us to love. Let us love. I wanna do that. Let me pray that we would do that. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, make us a generous people. Make me a generous man. Help me to continuously look at my finances and see, okay, where could I give? What could I do? Help me to have the privilege at the end of the month because of giving to have the thoughts and the reflections of, oh man, well, if I'd had that, then here's what I could have done. I could have bought this or we could have gone there. But because we gave, because we live, because we helped people in need, may we have that privilege. May I have that privilege. Make me faithful. Money is yours. Lord, make this true of the springs. Make a hallmark of this community generosity. So many members of our body are already tremendously generous. Help them to wisely know how do we care for the group? How do we care for the body? How do we care for the community? We need your help to do this. I thank you knowing you made this possible. It's in your name we pray, amen. Guys, we love y'all. Thank y'all for joining us online. I'm so excited to come back next week and continue with Quarantine Checklist. If you want, again, more information on the 432 Relief Ministry, you can go to our website and find it there. If you have questions about anything, please don't hesitate to reach out. We are here. We want to do everything we can to love and serve you guys. Y'all have a great week of worship. See you next Sunday.